Our first story deals with a subculture of heavy metal music that some feel is sending a dangerous message to your kids. The forces of evil on the dark side of devil rock. And I want to talk tonight about the devil and demons and witches and wizards. And we just mix it up with hardcore and aggression and come out with something that we think an original sound. Loud, fast, heavy, you know. Well, what do you got? What do you got? You're listening to Riff Worship, the podcast that attempts to answer the age-old question, what makes a riff? Uh, why do we worship all things the riff? I'm one of your hosts, Austin Paulson. With me, as always, is the beautiful, bald man, Dylan Adams. How are you, buddy? You forgot Son of Arkansas this time. Son of Arkansas, yes, correct. I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing well. Uh, we have uh, some wonderful guests with us today. Uh, their new record castration is out now uh, you can stream it everywhere uh, riff merchant records i'm talking about uh, oscar and nehemiah of sabo how are you guys thank you so much for joining us thank you uh we're, we're doing pretty well i think we're we're pretty excited to get things rolling with this record so yeah absolutely it's it's a monster man like the yeah. tone of this thing is like it's a 20 25 minute just ton of bricks like it sounds wonderful and I guess I want to ask first, now that it's out there in the world, people have been listening to it, it's off your shoulders. Like, how do you feel? Oh, man, it feels great. Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, like, speaking for myself, I know we we put out, like, a two-song demo a while back, and uh, we we wrote the songs, and we've been sitting on them since, I don't know, we had a couple songs written in December, a few more by March. I'd say by April, everything was really wrapped up, so yeah. we were just really excited to to be able to share it with the world and hopefully like establish more what we were about than the demo and give people a feel for that. What, what do you find? Like, was there a difference? Was there a mindset going into, you know, what, what like, were you at with the two songs initially going into a full fledged album? Like where, what was the goal? Was there a particular sound in mind? Like what, what was running through your head uh, going into this record? Uh, so I, I can say, say a few things on this. I'll hand it off to Oscar. But uh, so when we wrote that that demo, I think, you know, the four of us, we got together and we just set out to write two sort of straight up doom sludge songs. And that was that was what came out. And, you know, we were happy with it. We, we put them out. It like got a good reaction with our friends and stuff. But, um, you know, most of us like have been going to hardcore shows for for a really long time. And that's like a big part of our musical influences and like, I guess, just what we are and what we like to do. So when we were approaching the writing for this new record, we kind of tried to pull in a lot of other influences, I guess. Uh, it was almost like the, the first EP was like doom sludge, but then the hardcore just kind of came pouring out of us with the this release and our approach to writing it. Like you can hear it's got like db parts in it it's got like blast beats like even like a, a two-step part in it so uh I, I guess that's kind of from my perspective i guess from my perspective i actually didn't grow up listening to any kind of hardcore i got into it actually just a couple years ago and on this guy over here um played music for a bit and he's just like hey man i have this project coming up would you be interested in doing bass and kind of deep dove into a lot of stuff um so in terms of influences, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to have fun with it. I didn't really know what was going on, but I'm just there having fun. And as long as I make music with these guys, like I'm just having a blast. I'm just along for the ride, really. 
the thing I think that sticks out to me when when you listen to it, uh, castration, and and Dylan and I were kind of discussing this going in uh, going into the interview as well, is that there are clearly songs on the record. Uh, there's plenty of riffs, but the I feel like it it feels like one cohesive piece. Like it certainly feels like this was like I almost feel like I'm just tuning into a live set. And Dylan, I don't know if you know that's your same feeling as well. Yeah. It's everything that's, flows together so naturally. That's the way it felt to me. It almost felt like these songs were very uh, before being recorded. They were be they were very rehearsed, played over and over to the point that you could play them without thinking about them. To a point that when you got into the studio, it was hey, you know, press play, let's record, let's get it done. A uh, little little to few takes uh, in there, and it just flows extremely well from you know from front to back on it. Uh, you know, with the different sound segues that are in there, with all the delay pedals going and being adjusted, it plays like a live show. Yeah, thank you. That's I'm I'm really happy to hear that. That's like what you heard when you listened to yeah. the record because I there was definitely a lot of forethought that we put into it before we got into the studio. Uh, we just sat there and agonized. Once we had the songs, we we agonized a lot over like song order, like little little things and transitions towards the ends of th- songs and how yeah, just last minute things were yeah. Also, just like in recording, just doing last minute little fun things you can do in the studio, you know, with the noise stuff. That was kind of fun to do, and you know, yeah, it was really rehearsed. So I'm glad that it comes through that way because we we practiced them like nonstop. I want to say that week before, and it was nice. We just got in, did a couple of takes, and wasn't too bad at all for us. It was a pretty straightforward process. So. Yeah. Uh, I know the EP as well as the album, they were both recorded at Earl Studios. Uh, what what was it like? What was the process like in the studio like this time around? Were there uh, any any differences? Like, uh, were you working with the same person on the EP that you did on the record as well? Yeah, uh, it was the same guy. Jake Watson is the name of the, the guy who produced both of these. And they were both mastered by Brad Boatwright, Audio Siege. Um, yeah, it, it, they both went really well. I think you know, the EP compared to the demo, Jake had probably in his mind, like an established idea of what it was that we were going for. He knew like the tone we were going for. Uh, we had talked with him like a little bit ahead of time about how we kind of wanted the songs to flow. So I think uh, as opposed to the EP, when we were coming in for the album, it, it helped so much to be able to sort of start from this idea that we had and work backwards a little bit and Jake was really great in helping to make that happen and like kicking around ideas and stuff. Uh, he's in like a, a couple of bands up here in the cities that we we all love and love going to shows for as well. So, yeah. You guys had mentioned a few things, uh, certain influences or maybe, you know, going to starting out in hardcore. And I, I guess I really want to go back. Like, how did you first get into aggressive music? Uh, when did you first start playing? Like, what is, what is music? Do you, was there a moment or an album uh, that first caught your eye? Like, where did, you know, tell me about it. I'd love to know a little bit of your backstory on that. You want to go first, Chris? Uh, yeah, I'll go first. My backstory on this is pretty short because, like I said, I only got into it, like, a couple of years ago from this guy. But uh, I know for, like, more, not so much hardcore, but, like, doom music and since how we, that's kind of how we first started. I really, really for a while got into Yob. They were my favorite for quite a while uh who else uh crowbar was a good one recently saw them um just kind of stuff like that like i said for me it's hard to remember all the names just because i am pretty new to the scene but i'm just kind of having a blast learning everything so i'll kick it off to him i'm sure he has way more of a list (laughs) for y'all 
I mean, for me, like getting into heavy and aggressive music, I, I grew up in a small town of 5,000 in Iowa. So there weren't like a whole lot of options around me, but I, uh, I just like knew from the time I was like 13 or 14 that like this was like the kind of music that I wanted to go to and be a part of and went to like local shows in the nearby small town at like the VFW Hall. And where about in Iowa? Uh, Forest City, Iowa. It's close to Mason City. Okay. I was going to say, um, I cousins that went to U of I and uh, one of my first hardcore show ever was at uh, Gabe's. The, oh yeah uh, yeah so i, I think i, I saw a rotting out played there once and we just like drove i'm in the chicago suburbs but we had to make a trip like it was like this seems cool i was not prepared people like monkey barring across rafters yeah. but yeah that was a that was a cool yeah. venue that is so cool that's that's funny because i uh i i like made a lot of friends like in the surrounding towns through hardcore when i was younger even though there weren't like big hardcore shows there one of my first like bigger hardcore shows I remember driving a long ways for it was actually in Chicago. Oh, it no was kidding. A ceremony show. Oh, excellent. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. My friends and I drove like eight hours out there and then came back the same night. Jesus. Oh, oh my God. Probably like zero lights, just like oncoming cars and traffic. Like where, where was that show at? If you remember. Gosh, I can't remember where it was though. Um, that, that seems that's, punch it, was on the punch was on. Oh, there also. dude. They might've had to drop. But. damn that that band rules so hard i love uh uh her name escapes me so i apologize but the uh like super unison her project after that uh i think yeah. she plays in like king woman now as a bassist but uh yeah punch those those couple records are killer i love that band yeah um so yeah you were so you came out of iowa so how did um you met chris perhaps around this area as well is that is that right like i know you guys were you guys kind of the two that kind of kickstarted this band uh i yeah the the drummer curtis and i we oh we curtis all, i'm excuse yeah, me in Iowa. oh that's okay uh so curtis and i we played in like a a band together in cedar falls like i lived in cedar falls for a long time he also he also lived there i guess yeah we're all like more or less from iowa except for our singer ransom who's from nebraska got all right there you go there we go <laughs> yeah but uh curtis and i we we actually played in the band that was like a stoner metal hardcore kind of band in cedar falls uh, not that many people would probably know about it it was just kind of like we played a show every now and again for fun but yeah the band was called weed cross that hell yeah it was a crazy oh. name <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome only half of the members even like most of them didn't smoke weed so oh i love it. that's like um from uh from here it's like like bong ripper uh yeah. they yeah. i don't think any yeah. of those guys partake at all but it's just <laughs> like <laughs> like reefer sutherland or like other titled songs like that that's incredible we should listen to that song earlier today oh really that's awesome <laughs> yeah so then so you guys kind of get hooked up at, at what point are you kind of like well you had already had another band at what point all right let's do this project. Like, how does this idea spark to start us about? Well, I, I moved up to the twin cities in 2019 and uh, Curtis and ransom were already here at that point. Um, and then Oscar moved up not too long after that. About a year after yeah, on 20 beginning of 2020 is when I moved over here. Right before the world fell apart. Yeah. <laughs> got here and then couldn't do anything. <laughs> um, Curtis and I had like, we had hung out a couple times and we had kind of kicked around the idea of, 
putting some kind of a project together. And we really, Curtis and I connected a lot over, over doom metal. Cause we, I mean, the connection was there through hardcore, but we both like talked about, like we were talking all the time about doom and sludge bands that we liked. And I think actually it started uh, mostly when I found out Oscar, Oscar is my brother-in-law. Yeah. Oh, uh, neat. oh there you oh, go. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like one day uh, he was like talking to us, talking to me about doom metal. And I was like, whoa, I didn't, I didn't know you're into like stoner and, and doom metal. We should, we should like start a project. <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, I think, I think at the time too, is like we started talking about it and then we moved in together um, when they bought their house. So they were gracious enough to like, let us rent the basement so we can save up some money. We just recently bought our own house. So oh, congrats. Uh, but uh, yeah, we, we definitely, just living together, just hearing each other kind of practice and jam. And it was just like, let's just do this together. We had, I think by the time Curtis was able to get drums and stuff up here, we were able to show him a bunch of riffs. And I'm sure he had the wheels turning in his head. It was like, all right, let's keep that. Let's keep that. We don't really want to work with that. Let's, you know. And then we kind of meshed a few things together. And then that's kind of how it all it all started. Excellent. Well, uh, as a guitarist and bassist, like I, we kind of touched on earlier, the tones on this thing are massive. Yeah. Uh, what kind of gear are you guys using? I, I feel like I've seen uh, Nehemiah. Do you do you have a Reverend? Yes. Yes, I do. I, I've got. I, the, I also have one. Oh, it's, you have one too. So so great. I love it. Yeah, I've got a uh, like a baritone Reverend. Yeah. Uh, Perfect. It it rips. I I love it so much. I actually like last summer I was looking for a guitar for for this project mm-hmm. uh, and just like a new guitar in general. And I ordered a jazz master and I like told myself like, okay, like the guy from dinosaur junior has one. Yeah. Maybe I can make it work. Maybe I can like tune it down and I got it. And when I, when I got it in it, like the action was all messed up. So I actually like sent it back and got that reverend instead. And I, I've loved it so much. Um, and then Oscar, what, what kinds of uh, tools are you using uh, for this band in particular? Uh, so for the bass, I have a five-string Schecter Ultra 5 bass, I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. And uh, for my amp, I'm using the Dark Glass 500 watt. And then for our cab, we're using the, what is it, 8 by yeah, Ampeg 810. Yeah, Ampeg 810, yeah. And those things are, are unforgiving to move <laughs> around. I've, I've had my <laughs> share of like 8 by 10s throughout the years. Uh, I think at one point I owned three different 8 by 10s at the same time. Um, and it was like, all right, I, I got to do something about this. Like I got a, I, I have a Hartke high drive 810. That's like 80 pounds. I was like, this is, this is fine. Even this is too much. Um, mm-hmm. and those dark glass heads are no joke. I've got one of the, uh, original 900s and it's just the loudest, cleanest base head I've ever used in my entire life. And I've owned, you know, I refused to buy a base tube head for a long time just because of how much they weighed and all the trouble. I was like, surely like solid state's going to be just fine. And those things just proved to be great tanks. They're great pedal amps. Like you can put anything yes. through them and they sound good. They, they take them really well. Um, you know, the drive on them's okay. Uh, but if you blend that with something almost like you'd throw like a tube screamer in front of like a high gain amp, uh, man, they're, they're gnarly and they hold those, they hold the lower tunings really well. Like they take those lower tuning. Some amps get kind of, especially bass amps get like mushy and soft and kind of floppy. But uh, you throw, I mean, you get those dark glass heads. They're, they're no joke uh, on the, the Schecter side of it. Those are, I think a lot of people don't talk about Schecter basses enough. Uh, those things can take a pounding. 
I mean, those things hold up really well. They're not terribly expensive. Uh, they're, I mean, they're pretty well within anybody's reach. And like, who cares if it's made in Korea? Who cares if it's made in Indonesia? If it sounds good and it plays good, I mean, just hell, go for it. What um, I uh, also want to ask too, like there are some noise elements on this record. Is, uh, what, what I always like uh, get intimidated when I look at someone like Dylan from like Dylan Walker from Full Hell and I just see that board in front of him, like, what kind of what kinds of things? What kind of knobs are you turning uh, to in the in the studio to kind of uh, recreate some of those like uh, just walls of sound? I guess we uh, so we started off using dead air pedals. Uh, yeah. They make some really great noise generators that are super easy to use that you can just like plug in and they'll just make like crazy screeching noise right away. So go wrong with those. You yeah, can do anything to them and they'll sound great. They're so much fun. Yeah. For this one, for this album, uh, our singer Ransom actually has like a noise rig that he puts together. And the generator for that is a Ranger FX drone ranger. Uh it is such a cool noise generating pedal. It's got like oscillators on it. Uh you can like change the pitch on it. It's kind of like a noise generator and delay pedal built into one. So He's using that and he's running it through uh oh my gosh, the like a Behringer, the Behringer version of an HM2. I'm forgetting oh, the name of it. I got oh, it. the pink Dylan. one. The pink one, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, the heavy Dylan. metal 300 or something. Dude, I yes. actually, yeah, actually, you know what? I have it right here. <laughs> hey, there we go. <laughs> 20 bucks, and I can I don't have I can I don't have to pay a hundred dollars for the uh the original or whatever. Yeah, it's, don't don't do that at all. I just dime it the hell out. I love it. Yeah, those Behringer pedals are great. I actually use one in my guitar rig as well. Oh, nice. Uh, not the uh, not the pink one, but I use the orange one, which is the Super Fuzz yes. pedal. Um, but I actually don't use the fuzz on it. I'm only using it as an overdrive. Oh, cool. Uh, and then everything else is just like me pushing my amp. <laughs> Ooh, w- w- uh, with the with all of this and you know the the new record, I, I wonder you've you've played some shows. Uh, as of late and whether were there any challenges in recreating some of this lot like live uh, with some of the sounds like it definitely as we mentioned in the beginning it's it sounds like I literally just walked in to witness you guys play like how has it been playing these songs live in front of an audience um well the the shows that we've played so far we I guess we haven't had like our record released yet and um we, we I think like for us our comfort zone is playing like smaller DIY shows. Mm-hmm. So we've kept our sets pretty short and sweet. Uh so with that, we I guess haven't like recreated them with a lot of fidelity with the noise and stuff in between, or we we have, but it's been sort of like more of an ad hoc effort where we're using more like the dead air pedals rather than ransom like setting up and running his full noise rig. Gotcha. Uh I want to know a little bit, uh, you guys are from the Twin Cities, uh, and what is the scene uh, currently like in your area? I know there's some bands that uh, we've certainly played on our live show, Sent- uh, Sentence to Die, uh, Majesties is a favorite of ours. Like, uh, what, what, is the, what is your scene like? What kinds of different bands are you seeing out in that area? Ooh, I could talk about this for a long time. Or no, you might be better at this to be. I'm terrible with remembering names. <laughs> well, Sentence to Die is great. Uh, they Dave from Sentence to Die just put on uh, like a huge metal fest called Collapsing Sun oh, Jam. Uh, 
that was like at the beginning of beginning of June and that was so much fun uh he brought in like basically like a lot of really solid death metal bands from kind of all around the country um so yeah sentence to die is great shout out to those guys also the twin cities hardcore scene right now is something really really special um i feel like i've been going to shows since i was 14 or 15 and i i feel like really special to be like a part of going to those shows right now um like all of God's children and Naw are and Jalo are a couple of the bands that are just really killing it right now. But I think like when I think of Twin Cities and what's going on right now, it's more just the people who are coming out to shows like the DIY scene has just such strong energy at this moment in time. Like kids are coming out going absolute bonkers uh identity crisis identity crisis yeah thank you identity crisis is a band that we played with in december uh some high school kids out of saint cloud minnesota who are probably all more talented at their like instruments than we are yeah they they (laughs) blew us away we're just like wow we got to follow those guys that's we kind of looked at each other and almost felt like that it was just like whoa like that that was just like a good like hit the ground running kind of band for their first show and we we're just amazed and to see a bunch of young kids doing that just having a good time doing it too was was good to see yeah so i, I like that's i think there's so much energy right now there are so many people coming out to shows one of the coolest things for me too is uh seeing so many young kids coming out to shows uh and being super amped on it um like you see like at the beginning of a show just all these cars up along the side of the street parents dropping off their kids to to shows makes me think of when I was in high school and I was like mom can you drop me off like a block down (laughs) but yeah it's super fun Twin Cities hardcore and metal scene is a great place right now there are a lot of great metal and and doom bands too like Worn Mantle is a really cool like variety death doom band yeah Yeah. You Damon is a really cool black metal band out of the Twin Cities who's releasing an EP I think this week excellent yeah I'll have to check all these out um and it's good too, like you said, like, you know, these bands that are like coming out of places maybe you wouldn't think and killing it. And then it just only elevates like, oh, well, I guess we have to like up our game and it only makes the scene better, really. So uh, that's right. great to hear. Um, I wonder, too, you know, obviously this is such a it's a very riff focused record. It's a heavy record. I wonder, are there any influences outside of aggressive music that you're pulling from on this album? Totally. I'll let I'll let Oscar speak first. <laughs> uh, well, for me, for bass, I think some influence I have. I like doing a lot of random stuff on the bass. If you listen closely, there's just a couple of, like finger plucking things I like to do in some of the songs. Just little riffs here and there, just to kind of keep it fresh. Which I'm probably always going to be changing around here and there. Um, and then I just very like some melodic stuff. So I think just throwing in little bass lines here and there that are a little groovier is really fun for me and I know that kind of falls outside of the realm of what's I guess normally considered like sludge and stuff like that but if uh these guys are not telling me to tone it down and I'm having fun like it's it's whatever I think I think they kind of like hearing the little different stuff and not it being so much of the same thing over and over again that's the cool thing about playing bass like in in any sort of like heavy facet is like yeah we know what we've got to do but like you can (laughs) always cut little lines in and there and it's like hey man the vocals are are what they are like they're another instrument like 
let's add a little, let's add kind of a melodic touch to it with the bass. Let's play like, let's play a, a descending melody line where guitars are playing an ascending melody line, whatever it may be. And like, yeah. you can always somewhat get it in there and like almost unnoticeable as long as it locks in with the drums. Yeah, that's, that, that's what's the nice part about playing bass in this. I got to gas Oscar up a little bit too. He's a really good bassist. Uh, he was doing all of this crazy stuff in the studio and like the next practice when we were running the songs, I was looking at him like, oh my God, like, how are you doing that? He like added all of these like really cool tag parts and stuff that he just kind of improvised when we were recording. So yeah, because normally I was supposed to go after drums, but then we decided with all the guitar stuff that was going on, let's do that first. So I was able to just kind of sit back and, you know, just hearing it over and over and over again. You're just like coming up with ideas in your head. It's kind of hard to just not think of anything while you're just sitting there watching. So yeah, the night... We got like some, I think like part of the mix of the stuff we recorded that day. And I was just like fiddling around. I was like, okay, kind of this sounds cool. This sounds cool. And uh, I didn't want to get too crazy though. Cause you know, I wasn't trying to like do my parts over and over again, but <laughs> it's kind of a nice little placeholder that I can build on. So live shows are a little different. Yeah. Is there a, was there a particular guy growing up that you look to? Is there like someone that you're maybe not trying to rip off, but was there strive to be or was there an influence in that regard like starting out as a bass player uh i didn't even start playing bass till this project started actually. oh no so kidding oh wow oh, that's great for, for yeah most of my yeah most of my life so uh yeah so he was just like yeah would you be mind playing bass and he had a bass at the time so i was just like sure i don't really have to buy anything at the moment yeah so i was it's not really hard for me to get into since he already had all the stuff for me and then stuff started kind of hitting the ground running i was just like getting all my gear and stuff and i know i took a like i said that dark glass i took a good hard look at and then yeah, i just started playing bass from there trying to learn some of the slap bass stuff and just having fun learning again because sometimes on guitar you kind of hit a point where you feel like you're just kind of flatlining and on bass when you're playing at least you kind of if you're not as good as it with your other instrument at least you feel like you're gaining some ground on it so is there is there pop and slap bass at the beginning of x and y or XY? Uh, just that little riff right before all this stuff comes in. There's like okay. a little pop and slap stuff on there. Okay, that's what I, I thought I was catching on that part, which is it's just right before, as you said, everything kind of comes crashing down. Yeah, and that was also, I think, one of those things I came up with too, like the night before, because I think prior to that, I don't think I had that riff in my head. It just kind of happened as I was listening. So, Not overthinking stuff when you record it is, is the best. I mean, you can come up with some of the coolest lines, some of the stuff that's like the most memorable. And it's just like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of came up with this part in my head just now. As guitar players, then, I guess the question to both of you, was there uh, like a figure or an influence? Like, I fucking love what that guy does. Like, I want to emulate like a style. Was there a guitar player uh, that sticks out in your mind? Uh, maybe several. Uh, gosh, I, like for me, I started learning guitar when I was 12. So my answers would be probably, I, I don't want to say embarrassing, but not super metal answers. Like I probably learned guitar trying to figure out Van Halen songs. Uh, and it, yeah, it's just so much fun. Like trying oh, yeah. to learn that way. <laughs> then uh, honestly, like Tony Iommi, Black Sabbath, like yeah. being like a middle schooler and hearing those riffs that, we're just so heavy and uh, like wanting to figure out how to make my guitar sound that heavy. I guess those would probably be my two big influences. 
I think for me, a lot of it for at least heavier stuff, my dad was a huge Iron Maiden fan. So he would always just be listening to Iron Maiden. And uh, I remember him just always playing the Trooper over and over again. And then once I started getting a guitar about 14 years old, I kind of just started listening to their discography. And I had, I think, uh, what's the guitarist name? Dave Murray or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. So I started looking his stuff up and I thought a lot of those, especially like the harmonic leads and stuff, I thought that was cool. So I was just like, all right, this is like what I want to do. This seems fun. And uh, yeah, I just kind of went from there. I mean, got my first electric, electric guitar and didn't even know how to tune a thing, started playing really. And then got like one first lesson, the guy tuned it up and I was like, okay, I know nothing that I just learned. <laughs> so started from there, <laughs> learned how to read some tabs. And after I learned tabs, I just kind of went on my own. I felt like I didn't need a teacher and just kind of taught myself and regret that in some ways, but in other ways, I feel like it's helped my creativity. So, Hey, as long as you're, I love like stories of like starting out, like Dylan, what's that Mike Watt? Uh, story when they started like the Minutemen. He's like, I we didn't know how to tune our instruments. I just like mine my, my strings loose, yeah, or whatever. You know, <laughs> mine's mine are tight. Oh, that's that's great, man. I just wanted all my tuning heads to be facing in the same direction. So like, I don't know how many bass strings I broke learning how to play bass that way. Well, those are all. Uh, you know, you got good company there. Great songwriting, and uh, I guess I maybe want to take this as an uh, uh, and a way to transition into some of your picks. And maybe start out by asking what what makes a riff to you like why like is there anything that needs to happen like what is it about riff driven music that like god like why are we here you know what i mean like what is it about the riff i think for me and especially for heavy music and uh like with sabo and with like the influences and stuff i i love diving into like the weirder side of heavy music and to me, so much of that and so much of what I enjoy about riffs is all about tension and resolution. Um, like the idea of creating tension, creating some kind of suspense with the riff. Um, and then like resolving it somehow or maybe not resolving it at all. Just like playing around with that idea a little bit. So for me, like those ideas of tension and resolution is how I approach writing riffs and also like structurally how i approach writing songs i i think that's a good point i definitely hear it on like uh spectral where it's yeah, like it kind of even fades out and then it like comes back and then yeah. uh mm-hmm. even like it what really stuck out to me about that song too like maybe like i don't know weird but like the 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 harmonics that you're doing on that thing is like wow this is definitely a riff that stuck out to me on this record absolutely for sure um and Speaking of weird, your picks couldn't have been stranger bands as far as like the context. Uh, you know, I mean, really, we've done an episode on one of these before. And, yep. and certainly this the, one of these bands was influenced by the other. Uh, what can you tell me about your relationship with Thor's Hammer as well as Disembowelment? What, you know, why these two songs that like these were riffs that shaped me personally? Yeah. Um... So I think when when we were talking about it and we were trying to pick like which songs to feature, uh, actually, this is a I got to give credit where where it's due, because this is a thought that comes from our singer Ransom. Uh, He's a he's a tattoo artist and he's like sort of like mentioned a few times in discussing influences and stuff and direction for Sabo, the idea of 
going back to the classics and doing them really, really well. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. So whenever anybody asks like influences, riffs that were like, that really shaped us and like the music we wanted to write, I, I like to go back to, and I know we, we could go back much farther than what we did, obviously, but back to like what kind of gave the genres that we play some kind of direction. I know if we were to pick contemporary, like artists that are going right now, it would be easy to pick like Primitive Man or Body Void or a band like that that plays stuff that's crushing and, and dissonant. But uh, I kind of wanted to look back towards bands that create sonic soundscapes that are like a little bit haunting and weird and really heavy. And specifically with Disembowelment, um, with that track, and I know Sorry, I guess I should say first for choosing like a 15 minute song when you <laughs> oh, to, to give me one. Hey, but, uh, as long as it's not the hour long Bell Witch track, like I'm all good, right. man. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Still trying to make my way through it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but with the, yeah, the disembowelment, I just, uh, especially on this new album, uh, love the idea of contrasting very crushingly slow with really fast stuff yes and yep. uh to me like disembowelment just does that so well and when you listen to the song of course there's like a lot to listen to but yeah they've got this this crazy riff at the beginning that just like leaves you in suspense you're not sure exactly where it's gonna go but it's it's super crushing and to me like that beginning that slow part answers the question of how can you write a dynamic song when it's moving at a glacial pace? <laughs> Which I think is like something we try to take up when we're we're songwriting a little bit. And then they're just pulling in all these other influences too. Like there's a D beat part at the end of it. There's like like almost a blast beat. So yeah. The uh the record Transcendence into the Peripheral uh from 93. I mean, there's yeah, I mean uh, talking about weird, I mean the the soundscapes, like the ambient music that they're combining with all of these like doom elements and what really stuck out about this band in particular is that this is their only release they were what together for four years i think and then right mm -hmm. after this album comes out you break up without even playing a show and i wonder too is like this was on relapse i believe uh yep. you know why they obviously like took a chance like not knowing much about this band past like some of their demos and eps they were just like, yeah, we'll absolutely do this record, which, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad they did. But yeah, it really sticks out as like, uh, what happened here? Like, what was this? This like, you know, where was the mindset? Where are they pulling from? And it just like a lightning in a bottle type moment, I guess. Same with uh, Thor's Hammer, as we've talked about on a, uh, you know, a different episode of the show. I mean, even a little bit more time, but this band was only together, what, six weeks? Yeah. Uh, played two shows. And then by the time the actual EP comes out, they're not even a band anymore. But I guess what it right. uh, what is important about it, too, is, you know, kind of like the classics you're mentioning. Uh, I mean, it's a precursor for Burning Witch, Sun, mm -hmm. uh, Southern Lord. Uh, I mean, and the, and the track that you picked as well, uh, Norge, is like, you know, kind of this contrasting thing with the the clean vocals kind of fading in and just the the pummeling guitars, which you know, uh, we make jokes about tuning, but I think they hardly owned any gear. They yeah. tuned to A and you can hear it like on the the track itself where it just yeah. sounds like spaghetti noodles, like slapping against the fretboard here. I mean, you can hear the string sliding off the neck. 
it, it's yeah. just tuned so low. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah. It's absolutely perfect. <laughs> kind of talking about moments of like, you know, just doing whatever in the studio. I think a lot of that EP on Thor's Hammer is like, they just like, we'll, we'll do it. Like a lot of it is just kind of like spur of the moment uh, type uh, thing here. Um, so how, what do you feel like? Do you feel like you've, uh, if we were taking these two tracks in particular, do you feel like you have represented them? Do you find moments on this album or perhaps stuff that you were working on? Do you find like, oh, let's do the, let's do the Thor's Hammer riff or like, well, you know, Disembowelment did the ambient thing. So we got to like maybe pull from that. How do you, how do you try to take uh, inspiration from these without maybe necessarily ripping them off? Uh, like what, how do you find yourself uh, uh, influ- like, how does, how do you find that these influence your music? I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I, I think it, like when you mentioned like they're kind of weird and like to a listener, it might sound like a weird picks for us with our music because it's not super on the nose, I think. And I, I, I think it would be hard to pick like any part of those songs and be like, oh, yeah, this is where that is what they're going for. But I think in our approach to like writing these songs, it's more about borrowing the dynamics that, that they're going for. and really with both of those bands and with both of the the songs that we chose uh like the dualities in it like you mentioned in norge they've got like the the clean vocals with like crushing pummeling riff underneath um and i know like we don't we don't really have any soft parts or like clean anything in our album but we we did try to kind of like contrast some of the the crushing riffs with like noise parts uh to like recreate i guess hopefully like recreate a similar kind of dynamic where there are these two opposing forces like running against each other. Um, so, so yeah, I guess and more about dynamics than like discrete musical characteristics. When I was listening to uh, your interview uh, with a local radio station, you had mentioned, I think uh, maybe like outside influences. You're a big fan of Bjork as well. Yes. I Which, love Bjork. <laughs> what uh as a uh, Dylan's a, a big fan. I, I, I really know nothing. Uh, it seems like always like intimidating to get into something like that. Um, how does uh, Bjork's music influence your songwriting? Uh, if it uh, influences Sabo at all, like what is it about the, that uh, like catalog? Uh, like what, what draws you into it? Like, and as a, like a listen, like a person who has no idea or inclination of her uh, stuff, where would you recommend that I start? Um, I would say debut is a great place to start. And I think like, I don't know if it's today or sometime it, it like 30 years of like the album was put out 30 years ago. I don't know if it was today, but sometime like around this week, it's like the 30 year anniversary. So debut by Bjork is a great place for people to jump in, I think. Um, and I think again, it's, it's definitely not at all an on the nose connection or even an obvious one, but Something that I really admire about art Bjork and artists like Bjork is how they can take like a soundscape and just make it so sad and heavy, like so dark and heavy without using the same toolkit that metal bands do. Yeah. Like they just create this, this, like you can listen to some Bjork songs or like Portishead is another artist I really like that does this. They just create this soundscape that just like drags you down with the weight of it. It's super droney. And uh, yeah, I, I I just love that so much. 
Uh, I really love a lot of her vocal delivery too. She does some really cool stuff where she kind of like manipulates where she's coming in around the the downbeat. And I think that's something Ransom has kind of, our singer has maybe unintentionally done also. That might just be me projecting a little bit as a Bjork fan. But I'd yeah. love to know where uh, his influences come from because his vocals really stood out to me on this record. Like they're so low, like they sound like like the rock eating monster from the never ending story. They're just so like gravelly, like it's wild. Uh, is there, I mean, what, what's his prep? Like, I wonder how you even tackle something with like such just like from the pit of your stomach like that. Yeah. He's put like a lot of work into his vocals and I, uh, I don't want to like speak for him too much, but I know like when we were writing and everything, he's, he's a big death metal guy. And, uh, super into like the old school death metal bands that that like come to mind when you you hear that name like morbid angel um like obituary bands like in that vein so i know he's taken like influence from a lot of bands like that and also like a little bit from black metal if if you can hear that in there yeah it's there we kind of made a kind of uh it was like kind of reminded us of uh loss this like yeah doom band from uh nashville right um man another like kind of very like atmospheric but also like that vocal delivery is just so low and deep um kind of touching on some of this atmosphere uh with disembowelment and and thor's hammer uh, i think there's certainly like an atmosphere to this record you're kind of uh creating a space i feel like directly tuned into what you're what you're doing and uh you know with dynamics and you know kind of maybe getting outside of the comfort zone of what a, maybe a metal fan uh, might recognize. Are there uh, elements in songwriting that you would like to include on perhaps future releases? Is there anything that you guys are like really itching to do uh, sonically? Oh man. I remember after recording this, that was like kind of the first thing we sort of started talking about. It was just like, man, next time we do this, we want to kind of go crazy, a little bit crazier with the noise, I think, and just definitely experiment a lot more with that. And, like even putting out like a longer noise track, I think was one of the first things we kind of wanted to do. Uh, so I think there's definitely a lot more room for experimenting, experimenting with that kind of stuff. Um, so I think once we get in and start really just practicing and having fun again, that we're gonna definitely focus more on like dialing in more noise. I think was one of the big things. One other thing too that we got, you know, it's really interesting to write music and then to hear back what other people see in it. Uh, I like, uh, Chris from Riff Merchant, shout out Chris. Yeah. Uh, like he's been so great and we're so happy to be like part of Riff Merchant cause he's a really great person. Like love the stuff that he posts and everything. Um, when he posted our album, one of the, uh, tags that he put it under was power violence. And like when we, when we saw that we were like, oh, like that wasn't like the first thing that came to mind, but then. We like we listened to it like a couple times and re-listened to some like power violence records that we are, that we like and we're like oh yeah we like were kind of doing some of these things um like we that one minute song that we have at the beginning of the record that just like goes really quick and um like really slow after that we I know we had talked a little bit about trying to write songs that are longer and also trying to write songs that are shorter so maybe like on a future release having more I like I hesitate to say power violence but like almost 
I don't want to say neo power violence because that's <laughs> definitely like probably not a thing, but like newer power violence bands like the Endless Blockade. Okay. Uh, like that'll have like a lot of noise in their mm-hmm. stuff. Or so actually, I saw you guys did a uh, like a release recently on Magruder Grind. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. We that uh, that that album is incredible. It got me it got me very early on into like getting into hardcore and grind. Like I think I got into that and speaking of like this maybe more modern like power violence thing but like weekend nachos was like a huge thing for me they have like one track that is literally just like all feedback on like their second album or their third um but uh yeah i mean i think there's a way all of it everything's so like mishmash together so like i i see what you're saying where it's like all right yeah we're pulling from this it's like you know genre is such a strange thing now where it's you know it's been done to death and there's like different like evolutions of certain things but um i i can i definitely when now that you mentioned it when you mentioned power violence in there i i, I definitely understand or maybe chris was coming from on that yeah but uh to the noise credit too i mean like the i think there's a way to do it i i'm not personally like i couldn't just do harsh noise like i i i think Mersbau is probably really great but I certainly like Mersbau maybe more in terms of like full of hell collaboration where there's like a little perhaps going on. Um, and like Dylan and I are very good, big fans of like, I hate God where like feedback yeah. is like that extra, yes. you know, instrument. Um, I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to hearing more about uh, what you guys try to do next. As far as like the year goes 2023, um, what do you hope to accomplish? Like, do you have more shows on the docket? Um, what what do you hope to accomplish going forward now that this is out there? And I, I know we're just like on the release of this album. There's so much probably going through your head, but uh, what do you hope to accomplish uh, going forward? Um, so definitely compared to last year, we have a little bit more shows lined up. Um, I think with us being, you know, all adults and having our full-time job and, you know, our all of our other responsibilities, I think just us being able to play locally a little bit more is more of our main goal right now i think we did talk about trying to branch out a little bit but uh i think that's something that we're still trying to figure out with everyone's schedule and all that um but yeah that'd be our goal just kind of i guess push this thing along and and see how it does and see what more reactions we get from it so excellent um we kind of like to save a little time for the end i don't know if off the top of your head i don't hope i'm not putting you on the spot but uh, just to maybe recommend some things that you're listening to at this moment. Uh, I'll maybe start with uh, uh, if you guys want to start or maybe Dylan wants to start. Uh, what what could you recommend to audience, whether heavy or non? Uh, what do you guys have been listening to lately? Ooh, great question. Can I do the cheesy thing and pull up my Spotify? Playlist? I'm literally doing the same thing. Oh, oh, we all do. It. <laughs> OK, great. All right. Might need just a second. to. Oh, yeah, no worries. Sure. I would say listen to Ceremony by uh, Anna Van Hauswolf. Uh Found out about her. She did like a collaboration with Sun uh, on the BBC. And it, it was so cool. She plays like pipe organs and stuff. Uh, just like a really, really sick, like ambient album. Like if you're into stuff like Chelsea Wolf, uh, you'd probably be into it. Yeah, very sick. Excellent. So for me, I was actually, uh, I'll just let you know what I was listening to earlier today because at work I get to have the opportunity to kind of listen to stuff all day. So I actually just went to the Does It Doom playlist 
And if you're somebody that's just trying to get familiar with the genre, that is a fantastic place to start. It has all kinds of different types of doom on there. So if you're somebody just looking to see what you even like and kind of experimenting, I would check that out because there's definitely a bunch of great bands on there, old and new. So, uh, Well, I know we talked a little off air earlier. Uh, I've been going back and listening to like the early era Rush records a lot lately. Um, you know, nice. Hemispheres being the big album for me. Uh, you know, uh, the trees was like a big track, you know, you know, Austin's made a lot of jokes throughout the years about like, you know, you name it songs about like Ewoks and, and oh yeah, yeah. Some you, you like it, shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the tra- or the track from, uh, the band final gasp, uh, that relapse is putting out, uh, the track's called morning moon. It's like this great amalgamation of like mayhem, maybe some like post punk, maybe a little bit of goth rock in there. Uh, just really cool vibe, and obviously the new um, incantation single that yeah. dropped. It's just beyond heavy. Those have some of the best vocals I've heard on like an incantation record in years. Love it. Yeah, it's been uh, definitely a, on repeat for me personally. Uh, my my heavy pick. I've been listening to some of the uh, collabs that Dow has done over the past couple of years with like Emma Ruth Rundle and Mismore. So I went and did like their more straightforward releases. I went mm-hmm. and listened to. Mages again uh, from 2018. I think that came out on Sacred Bones. Uh, so listen to Thou. They're the, the heaviest band, one of the heaviest bands I've ever heard of. Uh, my uh, non-heavy record I've been listening to lately is uh, I've Got Me. It's the latest album from uh, Joanna Sternberg, which kind of sounds like Neil Young and like uh, Randy Newman. It's like really cool, very like poetic. Uh, um, and then I think I've also just... Uh, uh, the uh, self-titled Hate Forest record, which is kind of like a culmination of different uh, members of the Chicagoland, like hardcore community, I guess, like people in like Rats, Weekend Nachos. Uh, so uh, definitely check out all of those releases uh, to leave the audience with one more thing. Um, where can we find all things about Sabo? Uh, is this record uh, available for physical releases? Like what? what is the um, where can people find your band? Yeah, so you can, we've got music posted, Bandcamp, Spotify. Uh, we mainly like post stuff on Instagram, if you want to follow us there. Uh, and we do have a very limited run of lathe cuts. We've got 25 that are going to be uh, pressed through Riff Merchant, and those will be coming probably in the next few months or so. Excellent. Dude, guys, thank you so much for joining us this week. I really appreciate it. Uh, it I'm so stoked that this record is out and people can listen to it. Uh, people should because it's so ungodly heavy but it's it, it's interesting i i think it's something really to be yeah. proud of there's a weight to every single track on here there's just this like i've listened to it in various different manners various different speaker configurations and it's just there's a weight to every single thing on here uh that is just massive sounding to me cool thank you so much for the kind words guys we we are really grateful for being on the show and for also for you two taking the time to listen to the record. We really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. Oh, thank you all. Well, Thanks, for Bo, Austin, Dylan, uh, we'll be back next week with a, a whole new episode talking about riffs. You've been listening to Riff Worship.